Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, this feels like we uh, we have our third co-host with us this week <laughs> because he's been with us so many times over the past couple of years. We've got our buddy Curtis Patrick with us. Curtis is the chief brand officer at Rotoviz. He's also the co-host of the Dynasty Command Center podcast and one of my best friends in the industry. Curtis, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me back, guys. Um, it, it, it really hasn't been that long, but... I don't know. It's probably been seven, eight months. I think it was right before the 2019 season when we last talked. And I don't know. It's really fun this time of year to talk with you guys. I've appreciated over the years kind of getting Matt's in-depth analysis, kind of having those connections with the team. I know he's he's put me on uh, some Steelers you know, a little before anyone else could have in, in the past couple of years. And I, I wish sometimes that people could see you know, my texts back and forth uh, or DMs back and forth with, with you, Ryan, whether it's about, you know, our trades or or players or or even just, uh, you know, general non-fantasy stuff. And, and, and you're right. We've got a, a great relationship here with the show and honored that you would even joke of me being uh, a third co-host here tonight. Well, Curtis, we had you uh, we had you on uh, about this time last year to talk about your offseason plan of attack. You are um, you're one of the dynasty players that I respect the most just in the way you prepare for the different parts of the season. And now that the regular season, uh, the, the NFL season is all but over, we are certainly in offseason mode in dynasty leagues. And just want to pick your brain a little bit here tonight about your offseason plan of attack. And the first question I would ask you is, as, as a content creator, take take the Dynasty owner hat off, but just as a content creator at Rotoviz for Dynasty Command Center, how is the offseason different for you? Well, the offseason is really fun because, so, start, so first off, we're throwing starting lineups out, right? I mean, now we're in, in full-on roster management mode and moves that we make. Uh, whether they're trades or waiver pickups or or, or or even just cutting a player to create some space uh, to promote some from, someone from taxi or something, every move, it's not final. Like what I do today has nothing to do with my lineup next September. So, you know, one move might beget another move. And, and I think that's kind of how I'm approaching my writing, especially this year. I, I almost want to look at the off season as as kind of like a regular season, it, it's a, it's a long haul. I can do something now. It's the first quarter of September. If I go zero and four, it doesn't mean I'm out of the playoffs. Um, and then there's another quarter of the season, another quarter of the season. And so, you know, I've really started um, right now. Uh, in addition to you know cutting up all of the rookies, I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, on the show here a little bit. But I'm looking for dynasty trade targets just this month. It's not necessary, guys. Necessarily, guys that. I'm looking to buy, you know, all off season. Um, I, I think over the years I've come to appreciate value spikes. You know, sometimes they a window might only be open for a week. All it takes is one person to say something about a certain player, and then everyone just snap reacts, and all of a sudden, you know, the price is long gone. And so, now I've got a couple guys I'm trying to buy right now. Uh, I, I had a piece that dropped uh, just yesterday, actually, on Dynasty trade targets of the wide receiver position and it's just for january you know these guys might not be players i'm buying in february and i think that's okay i think it's a good way of looking at it i think that's a really good point it, it seems like we have these takes especially at this early point in the off season and then sometimes those those stick with us and you know we get known as as haters or or major fans of a certain player and 
in reality, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's that fluid process throughout the offseason as situations change and, and, of course, free agency and the NFL draft and, and things like that always change the value of players. Knowing that, that, that player value changes throughout the offseason, how do you try to take advantage of that in your dynasty leagues? Sure. So uh, for those of you that might be a little bit newer in Dynasty or have only played for a couple seasons, uh, you may not have observed some of, of these trends that seem to hold true every year. You know, now is the time of, of year that is so cheap to buy veterans because everyone loves uh, rookie picks. You know, rookie fever is something that as content creators, we definitely try to play into because we know everybody you know wants to, to read about these guys, how exciting they're going to be. But the bottom line is, you know, a lot of these rookie picks are going to flop no matter how, uh, you know, how exciting these prospects are. You know, people might have an injury. They might land in a bad situation. They might land in a good situation and then just fall victim to bad coaching or personnel management. Pour one out for Rashad Penny. You know, there's any, no- any, any number of things that can cause a rookie pick to go awry. And so uh, one, of the, one of the people that really, um, I think, taught me a lot about this besides you, Ryan, uh, was Brian Malone um, and just... Uh, what what you can do with rookie picks at certain times of the year versus veterans at certain times of the year. And so I really like buying guys that, you know, are in year three, year four, you know, maybe they've broken out, but they're not fully elite, but you can see that path for them. Um, or buying last year's rookies, if they're guys that um, either didn't produce and they're super cheap, or maybe they produced, but people have a reason to doubt their profile. Um, and so that's an easy, I like, if you liked Daryl Henderson last year, you had to pay like a mid first for him. What do you got to pay for him now? Like, okay, it was, it was one year of non-production. You know, we don't give up on a player after one year or maybe, you know, a guy like Terry McLaurin. I think that people that drafted Terry McLaurin, unless you really watched him a lot in college, probably feel like they're playing with house money at this point. Mm-hmm. And players like that sometimes can be easy to trade for. I'm just going to cash out. I'm going to lock in the equity that I got out of that draft pick. And man, the 106 looks really good this year. And he's playing with Wayne Haskins. And, you know, so I, I think there's, there's things like that and dynamics you can play into depending on, you know, the attitude and strategies of the co-owners in your respective Along leagues. that McLaurin thread, I mean, do you think a lot of owners are just happy to make a profit? You know, I, I bought this guy for 50 cents. Now he's worth two bucks. Sure, I'm out. I'll go use that money somewhere else. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that people feel that way because I felt that way in the past. Um, and sometimes it's on a rookie pick. Sometimes it's on a waiver wire pickup. But if, if you don't feel locked in on, I really feel confident that, that this guy is going to be you know, a, a, an opportunity hog next year. I mean, why wouldn't you cash out? Or maybe, maybe you did like him and you have him in every league. Well, I'm going to take some gains in some leagues where I'm building uh, and, and try to make uh, that roster equity go a little bit further. So I guess it just depends on you know how many leagues you're really playing and maybe to circle back to the question, Ryan, if you're playing in one league, I think that you might handle that a little bit differently. Uh, but if you're playing in many leagues, you know, every situation, every roster that you're managing presents a different opportunity. And you think the opposite is true too. Like I bought this guy at one four and now he's not worth it. I'm not selling him for anything less than that. He'll go back up. You know, like sometimes you guys got to get out. Yeah, I I try. I really try not uh, to do that myself, especially after one season. Um, but I do think it's a weakness of some people that you know you get take locked into a player, uh, and you do lose an opportunity to sell off. I, I think one place where you'll see this uh, in the off season might be you know with with veteran 
like really veteran players, like wide receivers over the age of 30 or tight ends over the age of 30, where, okay, uh, you can still sell on the way down here. Like this player is going to continue to decline in value and you could make, you could make some hay if you sell today. That rhymed. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's your, there's your promo. There's your cut right there. (laughs) Um, Makes yeah. But, but yeah, you know, at some point you have to choose if you're going to ride these players, you know, into, into the sunset. Like you're not, you know, if you, if you sold Larry Fitzgerald when he was 32, you were still getting something for him. Now you're, I mean, you are stuck with that player. Like you're not going to get anything worth, you know, the wide receiver 36 production that he's going to give you or whatever, but on, on, you know, on a different, a different level, you know, like guys like Julio, Travis Kelsey, you know, at that stage of their career where they still are elite producers, are you, are you going to take that equity while you can get it, take that draft capital while you can get it, or are you going to be, you know, hoard those points uh, that you know they're going to give you in 2020? It's, it's, it's a fascinating topic and, you know, a lot of different owners handle it different ways, analysts handle it different ways. And, and like I said, I think league dynamics can really play into that. If it's a trade happy league, you might approach that differently than if it's a league where, you know, you can't even get people to respond to the message board. That's really well said. And, and then you trade Kelsey and you're starting TJ Hawkinson in week two going, boy, I'd really like to check that Kelsey box. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're always faced with those tough choices. And, and uh, this this is really the time of year to start making those determinations, those decisions. Curtis, you talked earlier about a recent article over at Rotoviz talking about some uh, some players that you're buying I think that's really the first decision we have to make is who are we buying? Who are we selling? And it seems like almost every player fits in one of those categories. You have to have to have some kind of, uh, of opinion and a take about everyone as you uh, manage your dynasty roster, especially if you do play in a lot of leagues, as you mentioned. So what is your process like for identifying, especially those players that you want to buy this offseason? Man, I'm being really picky this year. I think I'm being pickier and slower with my dynasty rankings process than I ever have been. I think I'm even frustrating myself a little bit. Um, but I think it you, know, it you have to have an immense amount of discipline if you're going to do it right and be consistent across a large portfolio or, you know, people, you know, the, the burden of people taking advice sometimes, you know, places some additional burden on it too. It's like, man, where do I want to put that tier line? You know, I don't, would hate for somebody to make a trade just because I put this in a different spot or I didn't explain myself well enough. And so, I, you know, I'm being very diligent um, throughout this process and, and I'm trying to be ag- agnostic of player brand names as much as possible. And so I'll give you an example. You know, if you would have told me that I would feel this way, like back in September, I probably wouldn't have believed that you said that about me. But I mean, I will trade Odo Beckham Jr. straight up for Cooper Cup. And if you look at what they've done the last two years, um, the, it's no contest. If you look at eight, Cooper Cup's younger. Okay, well, he was an old prospect. I think, think sometimes... You know, we hold stuff against people that is no longer relevant. You know, going back a couple years, you and I, Ryan, I mean, we, how many conversations we have about Doug Baldwin? Like, how long did we wait to remove the stigma that he didn't have draft pedigree? At some point, that stuff doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter that Cooper Cup, you know, was an old prospect or he, that he didn't play at a blue chip school anymore. What matters is his recent production. And he's, you know, over the, the past year and a half when he's been healthy, he's, he's PPR wide receiver seven. I mean, there's no disputing that. I mean, he's younger than OBJ. And he's playing in, in what's thought to be 
a progressive offense, even though it's kind of figuring itself out as it goes into this next, uh, uh, I guess, phase of development without Todd Gurley being the, the focal point. But it's an example like that. You know, I, I'm not going to just because I'm used to putting Odell Beckham Jr. in my top 12 wide receivers, forcing him into that space anymore. Smart. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And uh, not getting caught up in, in that brand name and uh, not relying on that, but really digging deeper into the individual situations is, is what you have to do. Curtis, we got a few questions from some listeners, some folks on Twitter. And along those same lines, Gage wants to know who are some veterans you're buying. He seemed to recognize, as you already mentioned, that now is a great time to buy those productive veterans. Uh, outside of Cooper Cup, who else are you looking at targeting, especially veteran players? Yeah, so amongst veterans, if well, I guess it depends on how deep your league is and, and how many starting uh, lineup uh, spots you've got at each position. But guys that are going to be like, super duper cheap if you're a contender and you don't have a lot of draft capital uh and you're just looking to see what you can do you know with a couple thirds or some second round picks and be creative ty hilton's gonna be pretty cheap marvin jones is gonna be pretty cheap um tyler lockett's probably gonna get cheap again because of dk metcalf you know those are those are all guys i would be uh kicking the tires on adam thielen you know basically any any wide receiver over like the age of 28 you can kick the tires on um, and especially if they've got that three in the first digit of their age, um, it, it, it makes sense to, to go by. And, and I think, I think um, even seeing what type of discount you could get if you're a highly competitive team looking into locking that trophy, you know, we talked about Travis Kelsey earlier. Well, I, there's going to be some guys wanting to sell them. Um, and, that, and that means that if you're a buyer, you know, there could be an opportunity uh, there. But we've seen how productive uh, the great tight ends can be even into their mid thirties sometimes. And I mean, Kelsey certainly is that, and he's got a great quarterback and not a lot of pressure to be the alpha producer. So, you know, there's, there's another situation uh, for, for you right there at the tight end position in terms of backs. Will David Johnson ever be cheaper? I don't, I think he's probably busted, but he's also probably super free right now. Um, Like super duper free, like bargain basement free. He may be a third down back for the next three years though. Yeah, who who knows? It may, right, maybe you know? the offseason he gets healthy again. Maybe the team doesn't re-sign Kenyon Drake and they flop on the rookie they draft. I mean, we don't we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so when we're buying veterans, we're basically buying on spec that either they won't break down as they're as as we think they should because of their age, or they won't be passed up by a rookie, or they can remain elite another year. So really, a great way to create a buy list for yourself, whether it's you know you can use my list or Ryan's list or Matt's list or whoever's list you want. If you want to make a list for yourself. Write down the names of players that you think are really gross. That's a great way to make a buy list. <laughs> right, because right. if you think they're gross off the top of your head and that's what your gut's telling you, that means they're cheap. Yeah, that's great. I mean, just it's like Belichick. Don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do, and I'll figure out what to do with them at the right price. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Jones. I think the Lions are a big buy for me right now on offense. I think that, that was a really good offense. Assuming I get good news about Stafford's back, I think their entire offseason is going to be dedicated to defense. I think Jones will be a quality player for them for the next couple of years. And then T.Y. Hilton, like I'm sure you can get him dirt cheap right now. Everyone thinks he's done. I mean, they're probably going to add, I'm sure they're going to add receiver help, but is it going to be better player than T.Y. Hilton? Probably not. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. And speaking of the Lions in a super flex league, Matthew Stafford's a really fun target, trade target. Super, I mean, been around forever, hasn't been a top quarterback in like 
end of year raw accounting stats for a long time, which is, you know, I know how a lot of people, that's a simple process that people will use, you know, it might be a little bit misguided, but it's easy to do. And so I know a lot of people do it, but I mean, Matthew Stafford was QB two when he went down this year. Like he had, he had an awesome year actually. Um, and he's got a great surrounding cast. You know, we know year two is really kind to tight ends, uh, seems of, of late. And if, if Hawkinson, who you talked about earlier, ascends a little bit and they get a little healthier running back. I mean, I don't know. You might be able to get, even if he's not QB two next year, Matthew Stafford, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a QB one. And, uh, you know, I, I bet you could get him for a single first round pick in a super flex league right now. Um, and so, you know, that, that's interesting. That's a, that's a veteran at the quarterback position. I would I would uh, kick the tires on. Yeah, good one. We got a couple other questions, Curtis, from our buddy Chris Kennedy, and and also from uh, Shecky as well. They they were both interested in the timing on trading players and trading those rookie draft picks. Any tips on uh, other than buying veterans at this early point? Any other tips on the best timing for trading certain players, either buying or selling? And the same thing with the rookie picks. Sure. Um, I think the natural markets that present themselves for picks to sell are during Senior Bowl week, during the combine, during the NFL draft, uh, and the week right after. Um, And it's just because there's so much content and people freaking out. I mean, it's just so funny. I mean, the timeline is like, it's equally like beautiful and also just (laughs) apocalyptic right now. Like, oh my gosh. Look at the footwork on this like naked route that someone just ran unguarded. Um, and, the, and, you know, it's just flooded with that stuff. And so, yeah. you know, we there's a reason that in the industry we call it rookie fever. I mean, it is literally rookie fever. And when you have it, it's really hard to get rid of it. You've, you've got to like remove yourself from the sources that feed into it. But um, when there's a big rookie event going on, where a measurement can be posted or film can be taken or someone can start talking about film projection or a team team situation rather, or when like one of the really big uh, pundits puts out um, a mock draft, when Daniel Jeremiah drops a mock draft today, when uh, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper drop their, their mock drafts, those are great times to pounce. And you can play little games in your league, and especially in casual leagues where, you know, if, if you know your league mates are following you, you just drop that little excerpt from the article, uh, you know, that, that leans things your way. I mean, these are the mind games that you can play that people are, that really care more about winning their league than maybe having a following. You can do that kind of stuff. Um, in, terms of, in terms of selling, I mean, these picks are only going to go up in value. And really the best time to sell would be like, an hour before your draft starts, probably. Right. Um, when once, you're on the clock. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I was going to say on the clock, Matt, and, but I stopped myself because what happens when you're on the clock is the market has reduced because it is only valuable if the player the market wants is available. Yeah, and so right. before the draft starts, anything is possible. Maybe this guy's going to slide to me. Well, when you're on the clock, you know that guy might not be there and your potential trade, uh, trade partners are gone. And so... Um, if you can be patient and if you know there's that guy in your league that's like, I'm open for business, you know, this studs on the market, uh, best offer, whatever. And, and you know, he, you got a guy wanting to buy, I don't know, give me a name, Alvin Kamara from you. I mean, all right, well, maybe, you know, three rookie picks are coming your way. But if you if you got the rookie picks and you want to try to get Alvin Kamara the other direction, maybe you get him for two, you know, the day before the draft, that type of thing. Um, it, but, it you know, they just work 
in, in opposites. You know, as the price rises, activity can increase, um, but you want to be on a certain side of those deals. Curtis, to your point about buzzy times, you know, this week at the Senior Bowl, someone runs a good 40 at the Combine, everyone hears about it. I remember sitting in the stands in Mobile, and McShay was on one side of me, and Steve Mench was on the other, and I'm just glowing about Sonoris Moss out there. He's killing it. He's going to be the best player, and they're both turned to me, and they're like, you realize no one's bumping him, and they're playing against air. He's tiny. You know, I'm like, yeah, I guess I can't, I mean, I'm overreacting here. I mean, everybody does it. Yeah, let's let's look at Sonoris Moss's career. Yeah, right. Real quick, uh, five career games, five <laughs> career games where he took a snap. So good senior um, bowl though. Look, looks like that was a learning situation for for you, Matt. And hey, if this stuff can listen, if this stuff can fool a former NFL scout, it's gonna fool you if you play dynasty. Oh, there's so okay? much buzz, and it's you're gonna excited fool about you. It. So yeah. don't don't be so naive as to think that you know you this would never happen to me i would never fall victim to rookie fever or or making a bad deal it can happen to anybody no question i want to tell everyone about a new sponsor ryan dynasty owner dynasty owner is the ultimate dream for all sports and business fans dynasty owner is the only patented fantasy sports game that combines dynasty fantasy football with actual nfl player contracts They don't use make-believe or demand-based contracts or salaries. They use the actual NFL player contracts and salaries. It's pretty cool. There's no off-season in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters. Free agency matters. Every contract matters. Dynasty Owner just finished their beta season in 2019 and are now working on their mobile app for iOS and Android and will be ready for the rookie drafts in May. We are opening up the game to everyone in 2020, but are limiting it to 1,012 team leagues. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete for and compete in chase for the ring. Come join the 2020 season waitlist at www.dynastyowner.com and start your dynasty. Curtis, we started talking rookies a little bit, and if it's not trade talk, dynasty players want to hear, it's rookie talk. So let's get into that a little bit uh, closer. I don't know about you, but it seems like I focused more on the NFL this year than I ever had, and of course that took away some of my college football time. So at this point, I'm trying to play catch up with this class. I uh, I know all the names. I know obviously know it's it's a great class, but when we're talking individual players i'm trying to learn i don't know if that's your situation but if so how how do you play catch up what is the process like in uh, december january february when you are really trying to get to know this rookie class sure yeah I mean, and then you bring up you know a great point it's hard to be i mean you can't be an expert on all things at all times um and so i you know i think one thing you can do to stay informed about rookies in a class or just college football in general, uh, one great way to do that is join a Devi league. Um, because you, you start paying attention to players when they, you know, they first, uh, come into a college program. Um, and even if you don't want to play Devi dynasty football, follow some of these Debbie analysts. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a podcast partner who specializes in that. And so, you know, I kind of read Travis's content throughout the year. Um, and Jordan Hoover, another guy over at Rotoviz that's very sharp and writes college football all year. Um, if you're able to play college football DFS, another way, I mean, you're kind of chasing production there, but you just get familiar with the names. And, and even if it's just something as simple as box score scouting during the college football year. But I think as, as we get toward the end of the year, and there's, there's fewer and fewer college football games going on. You start to be able to digest what's going on with the college football playoffs. 
You start to see college football awards lists coming out. You start to see people putting out, uh, you know, NFL draft projections. A great resource that I like to use is grindingthemocks.com. Grinding the Mocks uh, basically takes all the mock drafts that are going uh, going on uh, in the industry. You can actually sort it by industry or casual or, or mix it all together. Um, and it actually shows you, you know, where... Uh, the wisdom of the masses is projecting players in a draft and who even shows up, uh, you know, through 700 mock drafts and you don't even see a name in 700 mock drafts. That's probably a problem um, as it relates to NFL awareness or, or journalists awareness of, of some of these players. And so there's some things you can do even that are outside of film um, to, to get caught up over at Rotoviz, We have uh, the prospect box score scout. And so one of the things that I like to do, and again, this is trying to be a little bit, agnostic of name brand players but you just start going down the list of of all the names that are maybe in your Devi ranks or players you're aware of and you start getting uh similar players or player comps based off just production market share um you can project some of that draft position and so what i'll do is is maybe pull in some draft uh projections from grinding the mocks pair it up with production and then see what type of player comps come up for a player and it, it helps me sort rough sort the prospects into tiers. You know, I, I grind the timeline. There's a lot of guys that I respect. Um, I try in particular not to prescribe to a single film analyst. I'm not much of a film guy myself. Um, I, th- I feel like I know, I feel like I know a differentiating trait when I see it. Um, but the guys that don't really pop, you know, I- I'm not the guy that's like going to say automatically, well, he'd, he'd be great if he landed in, you know, his own scheme, but if he doesn't, then he's a waste. Um, that's probably not the type of film scout film scouting that I'm ever going to do. I just don't have the time for it. So when I start to see themes across, uh, a cohort of film analysts that, that I might see that don't jive with my rankings, which are largely analytics informed, that's when I have to question my stance on a player. So what I, you know, an example of that last year would have been like Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs didn't show up, you know, favorable really in any type of analytics based scouting uh, because he just simply didn't have the production profile. Um, and he, you know, he wasn't a high end recruit um, like some of the other players, even going back to, to, to high school. So a friend uh, that we had in dynasty command center this time last year, Kyle Francis, um, just was vehement that Jacobs, it didn't matter. The film evals, all that mattered. And you start to see all this momentum and all of these smart guys that do make their living on film agree. And it didn't jive with what I'm seeing. Well, I'm going to question myself at that point. I'm, I might do a little bit of adjusting just so I don't miss out uh, on, on a guy that I'd have ranked so low that I would never draft him. Um, and so, you know, I guess maybe to sum it up, um, you know, I, I do tend to look at what's the most likely thing to happen. And the most likely thing to happen is that players that are a certain age that have produced at a certain level with a certain type of competition they've played against with a certain type of high school pedigree with a certain type of uh, college draft or excuse me, NFL draft position. I can create cohorts of players who have been successful um, very easily using data with a way of limiting bad picks. Um, it's more likely that I will be successful doing that than relying on my eyes and grinding every snap that every player in the class is going to take. And so film is really just a cross check for me. Makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think so as well. I know last year we talked uh, again on a similar themed show. We talked about 
film versus metrics and or analytics and i think you really summed it up well there and and that would that would completely represent my stance as well uh, and honestly i just i just don't trust myself to be able to watch film and, and diagnose some of those things. So uh, certainly those people are out there. I, I trust a lot of those people, but I think you have to take it all into consideration. Curtis, let's talk about some specifics. I know you guys have a project going on over at Rotoviz, and, and you have certainly been digging into this rookie class. Uh, I definitely want to hear about that and also want to hear about some of your favorite rookie targets uh, at this early point in the offseason. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, that's a good segue into the dynasty command center rookie guide so you know I, I think fans of your show would be familiar with this publication that's something that you and i worked on you know for a couple years and of course you know with me i'm going over to rotoviz and and rotoviz uh, acquiring dynasty command center it's a it's a rotoviz publication now and so um, we're going to keep some of the elements that have been there in years past but we're also introducing you know some of those analytics that i'm talking about and there's also going to be some new authors involved and so in addition to myself and travis and tj call travis may and tj calkins who have been uh, involved in the past sean siegel blair andrews and you know potentially some other uh rotavisians are going to be involved as well you know i've already seen you know sean's submission uh for volume one of the guide and it's really a primer on breakout age and dominator rating and why rotaviz handles it a certain way um, that other sites don't. And it's just really great education that can happen in a different tone than an article that gets posted uh, on a website. And I'm really excited about that. Like what we committed to this year is we really want to explain ourselves, educate in the guide and maybe a way um, that we don't do uh, on the site. You know, we, we want this to read like something that's that's off the shelf uh, at the drugstore. If, if you remember, and I don't think many people are buying magazines these days, but uh, all of us are old enough that we certainly did and may be guilty of still doing um, just, for, <laughs> just for nostalgia's sake. But um, yeah, so you're going to see some of the best content from some of the guys. I mean, Sean literally created the idea of breakout age and you're going to get straight from his mouth on how he's using it in his process now. I mean, that's just, that's gold. So I'm really excited about it. Travis May created adjusted production index last year that looks like, uh, at least in, in, in uh, historical testing, like it might be like, you know, another skeleton key number two when it comes to scouting wide receivers uh, at the, the college level and, and finding those successful guys, especially that maybe aren't at the top of the list as some of those uh, consensus elite type targets uh blair's working on some running back dominator and, and workhorse uh stuff tj is doing a really cool this is a cool article that we dreamed up together and so what we're going to basically have is our rankings and tiers laid out and then tj is going through each tier and saying here's the veterans that i would trade for a pick in this tier hmm, that's awesome yeah and so and and it's re it's really the commitment to tiers this year many analysts you know, tout the idea of tiers, but at the end of the day, you know, the public loves to consume rankings and it's just easier to compile rankings and put the number and not have to put the thought into what I really trade, you know, this guy eight names down on the list for the guy, you know, eight names above if I was getting any sauce on it. And so, but we're, we're really trying to make this applicable. And, and TJ is like one of the most active dynasty players that you will ever meet. Um, and he's the perfect person for that. We've got a very early, I mean, we have three, four round mock drafts. Um, we've, we've typically only done two round mock drafts this early in the process. We did 
vanilla PPR, super flex and tight end premium four rounds deep. So you can see where we're at this early and, and you'll kind of, you'll get to watch us learn and adjust to the new information that comes out uh, between now and volume two and then again in volume three. So that's kind of what the guide looks like. You know, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can go to rotaviz.com and uh, just click on 2020 rookie guide at the top of the screen. You'll, you'll uh, be taken to the presale uh, link for that. It's 1499. So that's, you know, five bucks an issue um, for a lot of enjoyment and some great content. So I think it's a no brainer. In terms of specific rookie picks or guys that I'm on, maybe maybe the way to start would just be talk about how I'm viewing this class now that we lost some of these guys, right? So I've seen a lot of people just lamenting the quality of the 2020 draft class. And I know you're not one of them, Ryan, your voice of reason uh, that can help us weather the storm. And I, I was glad to see that you felt the same way. It was highly validating for me. Um, this class is still really awesome, everybody. Okay. So, yeah. so if you're one of these people that like stockpiled a ton of 2020 first, and this was the year you're going to rebuild. And now you're like freaking out that I've got, you know, the, the 102, the 106, the 108 and the 110. And, you know, you think that you're SOL because, you know, we lost half of the first round basically to stay in college. It's okay. Like I would have to probably get seven, eight names deep in this class before I would have guys that like weren't in the picture in tier one last year. So if you look year over year, and, and one way that I try to illustrate this really was recently I posted a graphic on where I would rank uh, the top three or four rookie picks in a dynasty startup. And, you know, 101 and 102 were both like inside my top 18. And last year at this time, the 101 wasn't even inside my top 30. So I think that's another mm-hmm. illustrative way of saying how high the quality is at the top. So you know, like everybody else, really like the backs at the top. I'm ranking uh, my top three backs are tier um, at the tippy top. I'm not committed to an order. I'm going to wait and get some more information. You know, we know that the combine is important for running backs, not as not as important for wide receivers, but very important for running backs. Um, and so, I'm interested to see how Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins do there. Um, I recently wrote in depth about J.K. Dobbins. Uh, watched every college snap of his. Uh, because I do live in the Columbus area and, and Ohio State is what's played in my market. And uh, I'm just telling you, at 17 years old, this guy was a 99th percentile athlete, uh, just destroyed the Nike Plus camp as a recruit. And so um, there's going to be a lot of really impressive guys at the Combine. J.K. Dobbins may be the headliner uh, at the end of that process. And so it'll be interesting to see what that does to his draft stock. I also have a, a three-player tier at the wide receiver position. I'm going to pause for some feedback from you guys. I've got Jerry, Judy, CD lamb. And then the third guy, uh, the third guy that I have, there's Jalen Rager. I, he has some fans. Um, and he also has some guys that, you know, would prefer to maybe rank T Higgins in front of him um, or LaVisca in front of him. Um, but I, I really view him as having the same type of ceiling as as lamb and judy and so so those are kind of a tier one and a tier two and it's just nice because they fit in packets by position i want to ask you a little bit about rager because you guys both know more about him than i do but do you worry that he has a little bit of deshaun jackson boomer bust to him or do you think he's more tyler lockettish i mean is he a better football player than fantasy player i guess is what i'm asking yeah i, I mean i think that's the concern and and what we saw last year i think is really what has people worried uh about rager and about his his nfl career because i mean tcu season was just 
a complete disaster, honestly. Uh, Rager's numbers dropped across the board, majorly from his sophomore season, and he still led his team in in basically every category. So there's kind of some good news to pull from that. For me personally, I'm not factoring in his uh, his final college season at all because uh, we, we saw change at quarterback. We saw, uh, again, just a disastrous season for TCU, one that their fans uh, certainly will want to forget. So that's not something I'm considering in my evaluation of him. I mean, he is that speed guy. He's that deep threat. Uh, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a Deshaun Jackson situation where he's uh, where that's his only, you know, his only card mm-hmm. to play. Sure. I love what you said about not holding that final season against him. One thing that I've tried to stay sensitive to the last couple years is really looking at a player's best college season and judging him off of that, um, not ignoring the other seasons. But what I mean, what's their ceiling and how early did they reach it in college? I think that matters. You know, a, a player who breaks out at 23 years old against a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds, it's not as impressive as an 18, 19 year old putting up huge dominator scores. And, uh, you know, to, to speak of player, you know, there's there's a lot of examples of elite players in the NFL who had drop offs as their college career wore on. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is one of those guys who peaked early and then it just kind of seemed like we kept eroding at what he was doing every year. And it, and ultimately, it didn't matter. I mean, what really mattered was at 18, 19 years old, he was playing at an elite level against guys who were men um, when he was still basically still out of high school. And so I, I think that's the way, that's the lens through which I'm, I'm viewing Rager. Um, Rager seems to be a favorite uh, across the film community uh, almost universally, which I think... Um, in this case is a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe confirming some of my biases rather than being an example of where I would have to cross check myself. Um, there will be players like that, but I, I just, he is going to be a guy like, and he's not built the same way. So I'm not making the physical comparison necessarily, but remember what happened to DK Metcalf stock after everyone made fun of his route running, um, when he went in and was basically, I don't know, a gladiator or a Greek God, whatever you want to say. Uh, and, you know, people still made fun maybe of the agility scores, but across the board and everything else, he just proved to be superhuman. And Jalen Rager is, he's a superhuman. He's like Saquon Barkley strong if he played a wide receiver. Um, and so I think what he might be able to do after the catch um, and the way offenses have changed, even since Deshaun Jackson came into the league, I think is really interesting. And, and to draw the comparison to Matt, we're talking about a thicker build here. Yeah, big thighs and butt. Yeah, and, yeah. Saquon, you know. Yes, a- absolutely. Absolutely. So he he's built different. So I think he has the potential to be that type of aggressive runner with the ball in his hands, like a Tyreek Hill, more so than a finesse guy that just has to run away from you like a Deshaun Jackson. And I think that fits Percy differently Harvin? into an offense. Percy Harvin's fun. Um, With the ball in his hand? There's, there, there might be a Percy Harvin in this class out of uh, out of UK, though, Ryan, right? <laughs> I hope so. I'm, I'm not sure what to expect uh, from from Lynn Bowden after this year. Um, he was he was our, our starting quarterback for the majority of the season. He led the SEC not UK, he led the SEC in rushing. And uh, I think he ended up as Kentucky's leading receiver as well, even though he didn't play receiver uh, after the first month of the season. So he's, uh, yeah, he he's going to be a prospect that 
I think dynasty players and, and NFL draft Knicks are, are really trying to figure out throughout the process. Yeah, and when you see what's happened with players that kind of are the jack of all trades, even seeing how like impactful Taysom Hill has been uh, as his career has worn on uh, with the Saints in the right hands, a player like this just unlocks so many options for an offensive coordinator. And so he, he's, I really try not to think about team situation at this point because you know that that proves more often than not kind of be a, kind of to be a fool's errand actually. Um, and even when you think somebody's hit the home run in terms of landing spot, it often proves not to be true. But it is fun to think about what a player like that could do. So if you want to, I think you had mentioned, you know, maybe wanted to know what some of my pet players are in the draft. And I talked about, you know, who my top six were. If we get down a little bit further, people that I might be higher, I, I don't know that there's a consensus, but players that I, I feel like I'm trying to be um, aggressive with and, and where I'm ranking them to make sure that I end up with some shares. Um, Zach Moss, especially now that the uh, running back class has thinned out a little bit, is a player who's not uh, necessarily a, as, as dynamic or going to test as athletic uh, as some of the bigger names in front of him. But he can kind of just do everything. Um, and I feel like he's a player that could hold down um, a bell cow role, um, maybe like a James Conner if he landed in the right situation um, where he doesn't necessarily even get the draft pedigree, but it just takes that chance um, highly productive, you know, really every year of his college career is coming out as an old prospect, which, you know, we don't like old prospects at the running back position, but you know, with everything it's, well, how much is it going to cost me? It's not going to cost me a first round pick, yeah. uh, and a rookie draft to get Zach Moss. So I don't really care about the, the age discount or age penalty that I should be, you know, placing on a player like that. Somebody that is really intriguing to me, um, even in single quarterback leagues, and I know he had a bad day at the senior bowl, but it probably just make him cheaper is Jalen hurts. Um, just, you know what we've seen, what Lamar Jackson has done. And I mean, that's going to be what everyone wants to do now is compare, you know, uh, every mobile quarterback to Lamar Jackson. Cause we have to do this and, and fit people into these little molds, but what's slightly unfair. Yeah. It's super unfair. <laughs> super unfair. Like we can acknowledge that. That's fine. Um, but when you, so one thing that I really like to do, I was talking about this earlier with the Rotoviz prospect box score scout, is enter in different um, draft positions for a player to see who come up as the comps um, based off of their production. And if you just give Jalen Hurts like mid second round draft pedigree, so like pick fifty, like we don't even have to say that a team fall, fell in love with him. Like second round quarterback is is basically viewed as like. Well, we hope this guy pans out someday to be the backup, right? I mean, because if, if you're anything as a quarterback, anything that uh, like a floor as a player, you're going to be a first round pick. So give him second round pedigree, like his top four comps. There's there's no waste in here. His top four comps as college prospects are Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, and Dak Prescott. Like. I mean, who's the worst guy in that group? I mean, that's a great group for a guy that you can probably get in like the late third of a single QB rookie draft, even being aggressive. And in Superflex, going after him in the second round. And he may be he may never be anything. But if he does get a shot, he's going to run the ball a lot. And you're going to be able to start him uh, when he's getting a shot. And so those are fun players. You know, a little bit further down the line, like really into dart, flow, dart throw uh, position here, would be Lamical Pirine will not show up positively like really in any box score scouting exercises. But one thing that I've tried to do 
is make sure I'm consistent when applying narratives. Um, one narrative that I hear a lot is about Cam Akers and that we should forgive Cam Akers of all his production sins because he played for Florida State who couldn't, you know, who couldn't block, you know, my eight-year-old son. Um, and he basically had to do everything for himself. And that's why his production stunk. All right. Well, the same or even maybe more could be said about Lamical P. Run situation. I mean, the Florida offense was just a burning dumpster fire floating down the river this year. I mean, they had no clue what they were doing. They couldn't run the ball. I mean, it's basically the same situation as Cam Akers. Going to be a lot cheaper. All of a sudden, looks like kind of the favorite to dominate the Senior Bowl, especially after we've seen these weigh-ins uh, today. And so, I'm, I'm really, I'm just really interested. I'm really interested. He caught 40 balls this year. Really showed a lot of receiving ability. And so, um, he, he's not a player I've really seen much buzz about at all. Um, but he's he's firmly. Firmly on my board, uh, kind of as a late a late third round option. Another name that I haven't really seen anyone talk about much, um, and I'm curious to see what I'll do at the combine is Michael Warren out of Cincinnati. Another well rounded guy, maybe a little bit like Zach Moss, just not as well known. Uh, and, and so these are the types of players that to, to loop it all the way back to the beginning of the episode and bring it full circle. We're, when we throw darts in the rookie draft, we're looking for people that we hope we will be asking ourselves, should I trade them and lock in this equity? Those are the types of guys we're looking for um, late in the draft. And so people you might want to scratch off of your board would be tried and true ground and pounders that truly don't look like they're going to catch any passes. You know, I made the mistake of just absolutely wasting a rookie pick on Kadri Allison last year. Like I'm never spending a pick on a player like that again in a dynasty league. I will take the player who barely rushed for anything that showed you know, requisite uh, receiving ability every time from now on. He's not going to turn into Derrick Henry or even Jordan Howard. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, yeah, no. And and even if he did, what does that really mean? I mean, what does that really matter? It's not sustainable. Like we're not given, you know, we're not given backs that don't catch the ball 300 carries year over year because teams aren't going to be able to be that successful with those types of scripts year over year. There's too much noise, too much regression in the league. So we want, um, you know, those pass catching backs. And, and so if you're going to throw uh, darts at running backs late in drafts, make sure uh, they have receiving ability. Curtis, really great stuff. Uh, you have us ready for the off season. Uh, we talked rookies, we talked trades. Those are the two most important things I think on the minds of dynasty owners right now. Tell us one more time where we can find that uh, dynasty command center rookie guide and where we can find your work in general. Awesome. It's been been a lot of fun, guys. I kind of like just want to do a rookie mock draft like right now <laughs> uh, or a startup or something. I like I'm all juiced up from this conversation. But uh, you can find all of my work at rotoviz.com. A lot of it will be in the Dynasty section, of course, over the uh, course of the next couple months. But, you know, we've already got our best ball suite of tools up for 2020. Like you can already get 2020 best ball ADP because of our tools and uh, Mike Beers and all of his great work uh, engineering those apps for us. But yeah, rotoviz.com for my stuff. And that's also where you'll find the uh, Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide uh, this year, rotoviz.com. And just click 2020 Rookie Guide at the top of the screen, and it'll take you through the pre-order process. Uh, It will ship um, next week to emails. Um, So we have an opportunity here to get some context from the Senior Bowl 
Um, we knew that we'd have a chance to get some physical evaluation, figure out who was going to show up, who wasn't going to show up, and and just add a little bit of quality by by waiting the week. So you know, we hope to be emailing that out by next Monday. Wow, great. Awesome. Thanks again, Curtis. Thanks for your input. We'll be back later this week with Ray Garvin and another 2020 rookie preview. Thanks for listening.